According to researcher James Powell, in the year 2013, a combined 9,136 authors were credited on new, peer-reviewed climate research. Among them, only one rejected man-made global climate change. The debate over the science is over, but the debate over climate politics is still very much alive, thanks in large part to the fact that measures to slow or reverse the effects of carbon emissions often come at the expense of economic growth. Hello and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and today we're joined by former Mexican President Felipe Calderon, currently at the Kennedy School as an Angelopolis Global Public Leaders Fellow, who recently launched a new commission called the New Climate Economy that's trying to find ways for governments and businesses to lower their carbon footprint without hurting their bottom lines. Mr. President, thank you for joining us. Uh, It's a pleasure. Thank you. So you've been involved with climate negotiations for quite some time. While there's been some progress made in these talks, uh, obviously there's a lot of work to be done. Can you uh, give us some sense of reasons to be hopeful as they move forward for what might be accomplished? Well, let me tell you that uh, the opportunity I had to participate in a formal negotiation of that was exactly after Copenhagen failure, if I can say that. So Mm -hmm. the COP15, there were huge expectations about a global agreement, but nothing happened. Uh, And the day, well, the year after, we organized the COP16 in Mexico in Cancun. Mm -hmm. We negotiate with all the parties, all the countries, developing and developed countries, China and the United States, African and Latin American countries, European as well. And finally, we reached a quite important agreement in the sense that we established by first time ever commitments coming from developed and developing countries in order to reduce their cap their carbon emission. However, to be frank, we lost momentum. And we lost it because the economic crisis prevented most of the leaders, either in private sector or, or government, to take action uh, tackling climate change by reducing carbon emissions. And the reason for that is uh, exactly what you were saying, for a lot of them, tackling climate change implies a sacrifice in terms of economic growth, job creation, or poverty alleviation. But what we are trying to do in the new climate economy is to demonstrate that the dilemma between economic growth and responsible environmental behavior, it's a false dilemma. I mean, we are researching and we want to demonstrate that it is possible and it is necessary to tackle climate change and at the same time to get economic growth, job creation, and poverty alleviation. So how did this commission come about and who's involved with it? The new climate economy and the Global Commission on the Economy and Climate. It's a global initiative uh, launched by the effort of seven countries, Norway, uh, Sweden, the UK, uh, South Korea, Indonesia, Colombia, and Ethiopia. So African, Latin Americans, Asians, European. And this initiative implies or looks for uh, to produce a report 
that it will, the plan is to deliver it in this September in order to provide the alternatives that leaders in private sector or in the communities are needing in order to address this issue. The Global Commission is integrated for first an international board, international council, in which we are, I'm chairing that council, and we are people coming from different countries. Some of us are former head of states, for instance, the former president of Chile, Ricardo Lagos, or the former prime minister of Norway, Jens Stoltenberg. current uh, ministers in different countries, for instance, Trevor Manuel, former finance minister of South Africa and currently a minister in the government of South Africa as well. Uh, people coming from global institutions like uh, uh, Mulayani Indrawati, is a former finance minister of Indonesia, but now is chief operating officer in the World Bank. Uh, and Several people, uh, Nick Stern, of course, uh, Sir Nicholas Stern, who is uh, a very well-respected uh, academy and the main author of the very famous uh, Stern Report. So we are working together, supported by the group of economies that are working exactly in that report. And the report is analyzing the risk but also the opportunities associated with the battle against climate change, exploring what could be the best way to reach both goals, the environmental and the economic goals, and to provide to the leaders with a set of recommendations we will produce uh, again by September this year. So are those recommendations going to be kind of along the lines of uh, policy recommendations for for countries? Or are you going to be looking really at um, kind of individual industries and businesses and how they can uh, potentially change what they're doing to become, you know, less uh, carbon intensive? Uh, The research is currently in process, Mm -hmm. so I cannot anticipate what its conclusions and recommendations could be. However, uh, probably we will address all those issues. For Mm -hmm. instance, yes, a set of recommendations more oriented towards public policy. For instance, I can imagine that uh, eliminating uh, subsidies for fossil fuels, fuels, for instance, in the world, eradicating these bad incentives or distorting incentives in the economy, uh, in favor of fossil fuels. Uh, and, and I don't know if the report is going to say that, but it's, uh, it's common sense that something like that could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, or how to stimulate a real and deep transformation of the energy sector, uh, becoming more efficient, for instance, uh, in the consumption of energy. Probably we will address uh, some phenomenon uh, phenomenon associated with uh, the global changes in the economy and the energy. This, the impact, for instance, of coal and what could be the advantages and disadvantages of uh, natural gas and the new shale gas revolution here in America and other con- in other countries. Mm-hmm. But also, it could have, and I can imagine. Probably an analysis about what are those activities that 
not only are good for the environment, but also they are profitable. So, mm -hmm. in other words, what could be the the green businesses ahead? Uh, actions, businesses, policies that not only provide uh, a benefit in environmental terms, but also economic benefits, either for companies or for governments and society. So, it's very ambitious report, uh, and our idea is we don't want just another report about environment. We want a really, really one which could have which could have a real impact in decision takers. Some of the things you've mentioned, like the eliminating of fossil fuel subsidies, uh, these are reforms that have proven to be politically difficult in countries all around the world. How do you plan to address the pragmatic concerns of overcoming political obstacles? Of course, it's going to be very difficult. Mm -hmm. But the point is, uh, how can we discover the benefits of responsibility in the economic side? First, let me tell you that this is not going to be an environmental report. Mm -hmm. We are addressing the economic side of the equation. So, in other words, I think that scientists rest their case in the sense they are they have demonstrated enough the that there is a real climate change and the climate change is provoked with high probability by human behavior uh, through carbon emission that they produce that produce global warming and and global warming is changing the the climate uh, all over the world the world so this is not a uh, research regarding uh, the environmental issues it's about economic issues probably we have talked enough about emissions and that it has been good but it's time to talk about profits mm -hmm. and talk about jobs or talk about rates of growth for instance uh, one example is for instance one concern what is very logical is what is going to happen with the uh, jobs associated with coal industry but if we analyze just here in the United States the jobs associated with uh, wind energy are much more or bigger in number than the jobs associated with coal. Um, maybe we need to design a feasible process in order to provide new capacities for those workers, so transitions period for uh, apparent losers. Or the same case in Mexico, for instance, coal industry in Coahuila. Uh, there are a lot of people involved in that, but if we can substitute uh, the energy that we we need for wind energy or natural gas energy there would be less would be less emissions probably more jobs and more economic growth and uh, in a more competitive region so we need to demonstrate all those things so that's the pragmatical questions that we want to raise in the report so the UN Secretary General Ban Ki Moon is calling a summit in the in in September. I believe it's September twenty fourth to address these issues, and I, I, I guess the goal is to produce this report in anticipation of that summit. Exactly, that's the idea. So 
what is your kind of best case scenario for the for the report? What would you like to see um, world leaders be able to do with with it in their hands? Well, one is that uh, we can have some kind of impact in public opinion, and and the report could be discussed in several tables, and fora, and radio, media, web page, whatever. Uh, second is uh, the leaders, the political leaders in that summit known about the report, uh, known about the alternatives, and we who we can at that time produce real alternatives with political viability to take action over them. And that could be the raw materials, if I can say that, to get a great uh, resolutions or agreement in that summit of, or in the aftermath of that summit. Well, President Felipe Calderon, thank you so much for being on PolicyCast today. It has been a pleasure. You've been listening to HKS PolicyCast, a production of Harvard Kennedy School. Hear more interviews at hks.harvard.edu slash policycast. And join the conversation on Twitter at hashtag policycast. Thank you.